With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me from Pro Football Focus and the Unexpected Points Podcast, which is a very clever name if you are an analytics geek. Kevin Cole, what is up, Kevin? Uh, nothing much. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm glad that I'm catering to that huge, huge audience of analytics geeks out there in football. They're probably a big podcast audience, though, because they're not watching the game. They're just listening instead, <laughs> doing calculations and listening. You have to avoid watching at all costs. Right. They're focused on doing some calculations from box scores and running different things through the play index on pro football reference and then uh, making charts uh, where you see all the little football helmets. and uh, Oh, yeah, the logos. It's all about logos and the dots. If we could ever transform football just into dots permanently, oh, man, that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah, the the moving dots are great, the next-gen stats. I really enjoy those. After someone throws a terrible interception, you're like, okay, which little dot was in the way? Um, so (laughs) anyway, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Kevin, is, um, in part because you had a really fascinating conversation with our friends, George Shahuri and Eric Eager earlier this off season about quarterbacks and their circumstances and different things that impact quarterbacks. And I feel like I am just uh, in a great position here with the Owen two Vikings to ask you, especially about losing Stefan Diggs and the offensive line and how those things are impacting Kirk cousins, because I can tell you my last three or four days have been filled with everyone suggesting that the Vikings move on from Kirk cousins, tank for Trevor Lawrence, tank for Justin Fields. And I'm not saying that it's without merit to want that 
especially those of us who simmed seasons on Madden to draft number one overall and put the punter at quarterback. I get it. Um, but I just don't see that as realistic. So I think we need to talk about what they lost and how they can get it back around Kirk Cousins. And maybe we could just start with Diggs dominating in Buffalo with uh, just uh, with Josh Allen over the first couple of weeks and how big you think the loss of Diggs is actually turning out to be. Yeah, I mean, I think there was always a suspicion that it could be a big deal. I mean, we heard that a lot in the offseason, the fact that Kirk Cousins was the best quarterback as far as these deep passes, uh, the the amount of efficiency on those types of throws. Josh Allen was the worst. We're seeing a reversal in that in a very small sample. Um, I mean, one thing I'm encouraged by, at least with the Vikings, is he still has one of the highest average depths of target. I think he might have the highest average depth of target. So he's still throwing the ball downfield. And, you know, there's definitely truth to that. There's definitely truth to the fact that how much he's missing Stephon Diggs. At the same time, you know, my reflexive instinct is going to be when you have only a couple of games, um, when you have these types of plays that are just high variance types of plays, whether you, if you connect on three in a row, I mean, even Josh Allen, no one's talking about how great Josh Allen this year is on 20 plus yard throws. It's 10 throws. He's 6 of 10, right? He misses three of those. He's, he's looking just like he did before. He's at 30% thrower from, from downfield. So I think everyone, you know, maybe pump the brakes a little bit on the moving van to get Kirk Cousins out of town and everything else and just see what happens with this offense. Because I think also in the first game of the season, most people just threw the last three touchdowns that they scored out the window because they said the game was over by that point, but those aren't meaningless. So I think the offense was, was actually okay in that, in that first game. They did throw the ball down the field and were successful doing that. So I, I'm willing to give it a little bit more time than some others are to, to really you know, put, the, put the nail in the coffin as far as that's concerned. So when it comes to the um, concept of having two great receivers as the Vikings did for a long time and then taking one of those away, is there a way to quantify what that would mean in terms of, I mean, there's things that we always just say, and I'm not sure that they're even true. Like, oh, they're going to double team Adam Thielen all the time. Like, I, I mean, I've watched back the first couple of games and sometimes there's a safety over top of them. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes Kirk throws it. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, I'm not sure that that's as true as we think, but I also look at Diggs and someone like DeAndre Hopkins too, as so much of an all around receiver that you can do anything in the world with him that you want. You can throw quick passes to him. You can go down the field. You can intermediate. He's open all the time. And I think that with a quarterback like Cousins, who only seems to like to throw it if someone's wide open, I, I think that maybe these situations can vary, right? For maybe one quarterback would be impacted more from losing his top receiver than another. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, the, the one thing that we can do is we can try and pick out – uh, you know, these on-off splits when a player's on the, the field, when they're off the field, and try to gather what sort of effect that may have. I mean, Diggs has missed some time, but he's he's been more of a receiver who has been hampered as opposed to straight missing games during the, the Cousins era. Um, so I think I would say that it's been difficult to tell. I know that I ran a bunch of numbers on guys. There were certain guys who popped like a Will Fuller, um, talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller and his um, what Deshaun Watson's on-off splits are with him. But I also did an analysis where I tried to, rather than just look at these specific players, because you could be led astray by, by the smaller samples, is try to find similar players, group them together, look at those, those groupings of those players with their quarterbacks and the on-off splits, and, and, and what do we end up finding out? And generally, it is more 
even though you wouldn't think it's the case, it is more of the – you wouldn't necessarily think it's the case. It's more of the DeAndre Hopkins, like, target hog sort of guys who are missed more than the deep threats, even though a lot of people think about how the deep threats open up open up the team. I think there's just a really a, a variation amongst those amongst those deep threats. So that's one way to, to kind of get at it is say who are similar guys, how have they how have they affected the quarterbacks in the past? But again, you know, every player is is, is unique and every system is unique. So we we don't want to generalize too much about it. Yeah, and uh well, I think of with Diggs last year how he was the kind of the sole focus of their passing game and then throwing screen passes to uh, Delvin Cook and that's the kind of the next, you know, topic to talk about is just how they can build out these weapons around Adam Thielen because like you said it is only two games Vikings fans have gotten to 0-16 pretty quickly I know our friend Eric Eager has also gotten that to that point and has them trading for Jameis Winston because he's a lunatic but aside from that aside from that conversation which I don't even know what to do with um, you know I, I still think that the Vikings are looking at this as a really tough start but not season over and if there's any way they're going to win they realize it's not going to be shutting people down on defense Mike Zimmer acknowledged this after the last game he said we're going to have to have a change in philosophy because we can't just run the ball and play defense and try to win that way not that that ever really works that great to begin with but uh that's another conversation so these other weapons that they have have been underutilized in these first few games if you have a bunch of good players who can be used versus one or two great players, I, I guess I guess which would you rather have? Uh, because they had Thielen and Diggs before, but that was it. And then it was Laquan Treadwell. But now it's Thielen, Irv Smith, Rudolph, Cook, and you know a couple other guys. Justin Jefferson is mixed in there, hasn't gotten a whole lot of work yet so far. I mean, I guess what in your mind is the difference between those two uh, types of groups of weapons? Yeah, I mean, I think that – the 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 problem with the guys who were who were stepping in who you may think they have kind of more of a breadth and 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 depth of talent is it's still pretty underdeveloped and we're talking about Irv Smith who is in his second season tight end is the slowest position to develop uh, historically so you know it, it's going to take them it's probably going to take them a little bit more time. You know, Justin Jefferson is there. Rookie wide receivers generally aren't aren't doing a whole lot. I mean, he's stepping into a lot of opportunity, but it's a lot of opportunity to to run a high percentage of the routes that are run, but they're just not running that many routes and they're not they're not throwing that many passes. So again, it's a little bit tough for for him to get going there. So I think this is, is something where multiple weeks into the season it can start to, to, to get going a bit more. But I think generally the high-end talent is something that you can't really replicate, especially on offense where you're the one setting the tone. I think on defense, the high-end talent, at least in coverage, is, 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 is important, but it really depends on how you, can, how you can structure the entire offense around that high-end player because um, nowadays most passing attacks do have enough, enough depth where they – they can just, you know, they can decide to ignore their wide receiver one. Let's say if he's being shadowed by someone and go elsewhere. Um, whereas on the other side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, when you're dictating what's going to happen, I think it really helps to have that high end talent. Yeah, and uh, we saw that. I mean, Diggs. You look at his numbers in terms of when he's targeted and what quarterbacks have done when throwing to him. I, I'm not terribly surprised that Josh Allen all of a sudden becomes better because I saw Case Keenum go 13 and three, and Case Keenum was willing to heave the ball up to Stephon Diggs, and he's able to make plays uh, unlike a few other wide receivers in the NFL. So not 
terribly shocking to see that impact from one particular player. But I agree with you on Irv Smith where it's going to take more time than maybe even I thought watching him this offseason in camp because it looked like he was ready to take a big step. But he's still in a weird position with Rudolph being the number one tight end. And he's kind of a, sometimes you line up in the slot, sometimes you line up outside. So I'm not sure how that's going to develop as the season goes on. And maybe he needs to be wide or a tight end one at, at some point. Now, on the offensive line, this is a conversation that goes back for the entire Mike Zimmer era of how is the offensive line impacting Kirk Cousins. It seems like a very, your uncle would say kind of thing. He's got no time to throw back there. But watching the game against the Colts, Kevin, I, I came away from it blaming Kirk Cousins less than I thought I would. He was Awful, of course, a 15 quarterback rating. But on so many plays, they were struggling with interior pressure. And I guess I I wonder what your take is on how they can overcome that, if that's even possible, or do we overrate what uh, the you know the interior pressure would mean to an offense? And maybe I'm giving Kirk too much credit for um, for having that pressure against the Colts. Yeah, I mean, I think the interior pressure is something that's become a lot more relevant because of how quickly. Um, quarterbacks get rid of the ball. The thing is, the 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 interior pressure is be, it's becoming a bigger percentage of total pressure that's ended, ended up being generated on the quarterback. It's becoming a little bit of a bigger percentage of the sacks that are that are generated. But generally, the the pressure you get from the outside, from the edge, is where you're making the the more negative plays for the offense. So I, I think in some ways it, it might be tilting towards being a little overrated at this point. But it's only because it's it's come so far in that era. I mean, when I look for when I look at a lot of Cousins stats. Now, some of this may be influenced by um, at the end of the the Green Bay game that he was able to, to to do so well and do so much. But you know, his pressure isn't really up that much year over year. I think when you run a heavy play action system, sometimes you can take a decent amount of pressure um, because you're holding the ball longer. His time to throw hasn't really changed that much. His average depth of target is a little bit higher, although that might be influenced by he was throwing up some. Um, Hail Marys at the end at the end of the game, and he's thrown it so few times that that's going to have a big effect. Um, but what what we have ended up seeing is he's just not performing well in the play action passes, which are fairly or more unstable year over year than than a straight uh, drop back, and he's just not performing well on the high leverage third and fourth down. So while those are the most important plays that you can make, they also give you some hope in the fact that. Um, if they turn around and it, if the if that rectifies itself, which it 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 is just as likely to do as 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 first or second down to get better, that'll have a huge effect on the offense. So I feel like over the last few years, I've said the words play action and talked about play action more than I ever dreamed. It used to be. Um, I, a play on Madden that didn't work all that well because you would just get sacked when you tried to right. run it because the guy would do, you know, I mean, the graphics were that great. He'd do the handoff and you'd go back there and then you couldn't like throw it quickly. And anyways, it didn't work. And then so over the last few years, because of the PFF data and because teams have sort of figured this out, we've just seen huge leaps and bounds in play action. But I wonder what you think that the limitations are of a play action based offense, because that's what this is. I mean, last year we saw Cousins, I think he got into the top five or top six in play action percentage. And he has not been there at this point in part because the game situation dictates that. And that's, to me, that's the biggest limitation is that if your 
best thing you do is taken away based on the game situation that makes it tough to play a certain way. I, mean, I think it makes it tough to play like a shootout type of game. It, it, it actually plays better when it's sort of close or maybe you're ahead and then you can run and then run the play action off of it. But I'm curious about sort of your opinion about its strengths and weaknesses of building your offense around it. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably more skeptical than a lot of people are. I mean, we see these things come in waves. Um, a couple of years ago, it was about the Matt Nagy's of the world who are coming from that Andy Reid tree, the Doug Peterson's. Um, while they may be using play action, it's not your traditional play action. It was a lot more of a RPO style uh, system. And that was the, the trend. Now it's Shanahan is king. McVay was king. <laughs> briefly, and then, and then Shanahan, who is of a similar uh, mold, is king, and this play-action system is king. So, I mean, I, I think I agree with you in a way. If you, I think the high-end outcome may be higher in some of these play-action systems if everything goes right, and I think it also it allows a quarterback who may not be as talented to hit some of those those high ends as you can. But if you have a quarterback who can really process. Um, and can play the quick the quick game like a Patrick Mahomes or I mean Ben Roethlisberger is another guy who really doesn't use play action much at all. Mahomes is worse with play action last year than he was without play action. Hmm. If you have one of those types of quarterbacks who can buy time in the pocket, who can who can um, like I said process really at the line of scrimmage, then you probably don't need to do that. Now, who is Kirk Cousins? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I, I'm more comfortable saying. Like your, your Case Keenum's of the world were really, really would benefit, really did benefit from from the play from a play action type of type of scheme and from from Diggs and from the offense there. Kirk Cousins, I, I'm not. I mean, he played he played pretty well with Jay Gruden too. So it, it's it's a little bit uh, it's it's tough to say, but I agree. I think that the 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 benefits may be overstated of the play action system. I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get all of your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. If you haven't seen this stuff yet, you've got to check it out. One of my favorite designs is the Randy Moss straight cash homie shirt, and there's another one, the depiction of his infamous act in Green Bay. Both are perfect for Minnesota football fans. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. And we're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SOTASTIC, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Get back to the conversation in just a minute, but first, Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going the extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So, now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Well, I think the thing here is we have kind of a comparison with 2018 and John Filippo trying to run that more of a Doug Peterson style offense right after he wins the Super Bowl as the quarterback coach of the Eagles and then tries to bring a lot of the offense philosophy to Minnesota and that didn't work as well with Cousins and then last year he has a career year in a lot of metrics but 
there are always things that we don't really factor in and just deciding that that was completely the answer, including the schedule that they played, which was one of the easiest in the NFL in terms of opposing defenses, right? And, and uh, you know, as, as dominant as Delvin Cook was early in the season, it seems certain teams freaked out about Delvin Cook. I mean, everybody bites on play action, but there's games early in last season against the Lions where I don't think I've ever seen the linebackers come up farther up the field and leave more space behind, uh, maybe in part because of Delvin Cook's impact there, at least through the first section of the season. So I, I look at it as I don't know what the answer is for taking this offense and turning it around or getting it to be to a point where you can play these shootout type of games to win. Because I still look at this through the lens of the Vikings have too much talent to say tank for Trevor. It just, their quarterback is probably just too good. It's not like they're going to bench him and put in Jake Browning. That's not going to happen. They're going to play Kirk Cousins and they're going to have Pro Bowl players around him and, and try to succeed. So if if they do, let's just say they get into the playoff race still after this disaster of a start. How would it have happened in your mind if they were able to do that? Um, I mean, with the – well, let's think about it. I mean, number one, you have a new playoff format, so you have an extra spot. So that helps. That's yep. helpful. That helps. You're going to have to have a lot of cannibalization in the NFC West um, where those guys just all beat up on each other. Um, you're going to have to have, it looks like, the Bears – well, the, the Lions continue to lion and, and, not, <laughs> and, and not win anything, and then the Bears to come back down. I, mean, I, I wouldn't even say come back down to earth because it's not like they've been good. They've just, they've just won. They've just won games. So I, I think if all those things happen, there's definitely a path there. Um, l- losing these first couple of games, I mean, the Colts were seen coming into the season as the favorite to win the AFC South. Uh, I mean, now the Titans are a pretty healthy favorite there, and the Titans who, who are, um, you know, the, the Vikings are facing uh, – uh, this weekend, correct? So, um, yep. yeah. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a big game. And so I, I don't think the schedule is that is that bad for them. You're just gonna need to sneak in, basically. Um, and for that case, it's not necessarily gonna be beating the Packers for the division, but it's gonna be hoping that if someone like an Arizona Cardinals falls off, so that you can you can you can grab that last wild card spot. Well, I was thinking along the lines of in terms of on the field, what would have to happen for them to not be horrendous I mean because like these these first two games have just gone so badly and I totally get why this is for the fans I mean when you watch those two games back there there is nothing there that you can grab onto outside of Dan Bailey's tremendous kicking to say hey well hey all they have to do is blank because if if they had lost to the Colts 35-31 you would have said well, this could be a fun season. You could have a bunch of shootouts, and all they need to do is have these off. I mean, this this was really in, in 2018 against the Rams. They lost the game 38-30, and it was fun as hell to watch both teams fly up and down the field, and we thought maybe there's a season of that coming. But at the moment, their offense has struggled so much. I guess I wonder what you think the answer might be uh, in terms of what they need to do, what needs to happen in order to at least make them – like mildly competitive. Yeah, I mean, again, I'll point to the fact that I'm not as discouraged by the offense, I guess, because of the way that they played in week one. I know it came late, um, but it happened. I don't think we can fully discount that. So I think there's some help there. And if you're looking at all phases of the game, the one phase – that we know the least about, um, and it comes out in our grading, and it comes out in a lot of things, is is the coverage side of things. They have, you know, there's a lot of a new and young secondary, which has been particularly poor. 
to start the season. But that is the one thing, if you're going to talk, take any aspect of any team that's playing, um, that can turn around, uh, that, that can have an unexpected jump. So I think that would be it. I mean, it sounds silly to say, but it would be these, these guys who have been either bad or non-factors just starting to play, uh, just starting to play a bit better. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, not getting these these penalties when uh, you know they had multiple first down conversions taken back by penalties. Kirk Cousins has four interceptions. I mean, I don't think he's going to end the season with 32 interceptions. <laughs> and but he, I mean, he had four turnover worthy plays. So that's not great. But normally you'd see about a ratio of I don't know, like eight to five in turnover turnover worthy plays to interceptions. So he still has more more interceptions than you'd expect based upon how he was throwing because I think some came off of a semi-drop and some other things that have happened. So it's kind of, you know, better luck starts happening. Um, Passing the ball a little bit more would be nice. I know that they've been more successful running the ball, but the fact that they're only averaging about 24 attempts a game, um, even though they've been getting crushed, is a a little bit low. And it's that coverage unit starting to to come together. And that can happen, uh, that you see that happen a lot where, where, the, that defense, the pass defense, can switch a lot uh, from one half of the season to the next. So that that would be the the thing you're hoping for. Yeah, and that happened with Kansas City last year uh, that they sort of flipped the switch and turned it on. I remember a couple of years ago, even with uh, New England, that that kind of happened. They got off to a tough start and then improved. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see them improve uh, under Mike Zimmer just because of his prowess as a defensive backs coach. At the same time, you have several positions that are so well below average that I can't see them being anywhere near a good defense. It could be a little better and not a complete disaster, but when your three technique and your backup defensive ends are in and, and you've lost Michael Pierce and Daniel Hunter's not playing, you end up in a really tough spot. Now, on the matter of the Vikings long-term, because this is kind of the conversation that at this moment Vikings fans are more interested in, that uh, this could change in two weeks. I keep saying it. In two weeks, they could be two and two, and then you'll all be talking about you know, them turning it around and how genius Zimmer was and, and you know, I don't know, Kubiak getting his fastball back or something. That's what happens in football sometimes. But the conversation that is more interesting at this moment is the long term. And I think that with Cousins as the quarterback, a lot of people feel hopeless. They feel like you are sort of trapped in this cycle of only getting to being so good with Kirk Cousins. And that's about um, the, the ceiling that you hit is maybe a 10 and six. Maybe it's a one playoff game. So even if they build up all these other parts with all these other players that from now to the time his contract extension is over, you're kind of resigned to your fate. Is that, uh, is that too dark for you, Kevin? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a little bit too dark. I mean, if you look at Cousins, you know, the, the monster cap hit is going to come for him in 2022. So, you know, I, I think people focus on these quarterback contracts a lot, but we are talking about one of, you know, 53 players on the, on the active roster. There are plenty of other places to try to um, squeeze value out where you can afford to pay someone like Cousins, who, you know, isn't a top five quarterback, but can play like a top 10 quarterback sometimes. Um, I mean, I guess the problem with the Vikings is that the way that they've structured uh, contracts is they haven't really let people go and they're just very top heavy. So they end up being a little, it, it ends up being fragile when players start to fall off um, or if they get injured. I mean, I think just the way they're constructed, I can't imagine any sort of tanking scenario until 2022 would probably be would probably be the the way there. There's just so much dead cap, even on a bunch of these high end contracts next year. Um, 
that I, I, yeah, I, I just don't see it'll end up happening. And you know, I still think they have the Vikings have the baseline talent to to compete. Like I said, with with this extra expanded playoff uh, formula. So I think 2022, or if things go really bad next year, that would be the time to really think think about a transition. So the concern that I wrote about for my old humble website is that they become the Cincinnati Bengals after 2015, if you recall. And it, I know that the ownership is different, the way they spend money is different, but kind of on the 30,000-foot view that you have a team that in 2015 and the Bengals reached their peak, they went 12-4. and four. Bad break, Andy Dalton gets hurt, A.J. McCarron loses a playoff game because I think his running back fumbled is why they lost it. But anyway... Um, so you kind of miss your chance, just like with the Vikings last year. You get to a peak, or 2017, you get to a peak, you miss your shot to get to a Super Bowl, and then you keep thinking that there's just a button you can push, a player you can sign, a guy you could trade for, a draft pick who's coming in next that is going to salvage it. But if you don't hit on draft picks, as Cincinnati didn't, and as the Vikings have not recently, then you sort of get in this slog of being a six or seven win team. And I think that just for fans, that is the hardest place to ever be is when you have a quarterback that can't pull you up to being a 10 win team when you're a six win team, that he's kind of every bit of what you put on the field around him. And yet you have all these pieces that you can't really move or go anywhere with. So how do they avoid that? Um, yeah, next year it's 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 going to be difficult, quite honestly, to do it. I mean, it, Kirk Cousins has 41 million of dead cap if <laughs> next year. Like, what are they going to do? I I don't. I mean, I just don't understand. Even if you wanted to move on from something like that, it it becomes really really difficult. So, I mean, there is cap space. I do think that they're going to have to let go of some guys. I mean, I know that they've you know retained. Um, that they've they've you know that they've retained guys uh but it's going to i think it's just going to there's going to have to be some difficult decisions and you're just going to have to help for hope for some some upside and some luck there and the comparison to an Andy Dalton I, mean, I still think Cousins is probably better than Dalton I mean if you look at who Dalton had around him that year in particular that 2015 year I mean he had Tyler Eifert who was healthy for most of the season he had AJ Green he had uh, Marvin Jones he had Mo Sanu he had you know Gio Bernard all these different pieces the offensive line was working well together so that was kind of a a real like once in a in a in, in a 30 year type of scenario but I, I still think the range of outcomes for, for for the for the Vikings may not be the highest but if you can get into the playoffs you know one out of every 15, 20 years, and then more often for someone like Eli Manning, you can end up winning a Super Bowl with that type of team. Get back to the conversation in just a second, but even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts at all. Plus, Indeed provides you with powerful tools to make your search even easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, and with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates 
that you will see fast. Try Indeed with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anytime available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. You just laid it out right there. When you, all you need to do is once every 15 years get the uh, random variance thing that just bounces and clicks your way. That right there is exactly why I think a lot of Vikings fans are tweeting me about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields because you feel trapped in that place. Now, I mean, if you could get if you could get one of those guys. There's no, there's no assurance of like how bad, you know, getting, getting that. If you could get one of those guys, yeah, I mean, clearly you don't say, oh, you know, we're going to trade back from Trevor Lawrence because we have Kirk Cousins under, under contract. You'd probably, you'd figure out something where you can eat a bunch of his, his dead money and then maybe trade him to some, someplace else, however difficult that may be. So I agree with that, but that's not the plan. I don't understand that could be the plan, and it's certainly not the plan with Zimmer there. So maybe that, that probably has to be step one. Um, is whether deserve it or not in people's minds, you probably have to move on with him. I don't see asking him to, to go through a conscious rebuild at this point. Right. Yeah. No, right. And, and when you extend Zimmer for the next three years, you're not saying we're going to go through a complete rebuild. What they tried to do is they tried to walk a thin line of we're going to retool and win at the same time. And uh, so far, that has not worked out for them very well. Now, um, let me ask you, since you are always studying very closely these types of things, we're only two weeks into the season. But is there a particular football trend or something that has stood out to you deep inside the numbers that might be different or interesting? I mean, I know that's, a, that's kind of a broad question, but it also is exactly what you do. So I know you've got something on this, Kevin. Well, I mean, I think the, the more interesting thing that we've seen is we got a lot of old quarterbacks in, in the NFL right now. So at least digging through that, We've had this the suspension of aging that that's happened for for a while now, and I think now there is a little bit of this coming coming due at this point. So um, there's a couple of different things. One, some of some of the the down the the accuracy has been off for for some of these guys, but it's we've seen this a lot across the league that some of the most accurate quarterbacks are really having problems going down the field. We talked about play action. Play action has been a little bit less successful so far this year than you would have hoped for, and I think. That may be partially because defensive coordinators and defenders themselves are more aware of it, maybe just because of the hype that, that we're hearing about it. So I think I think that's another big trend. And, you know, guys who's, who study a lot of the formational sort of things, I think defenses are also evolving and changing where we're going further and further away from, you know, first we went away from cover three. Now it's like a lot of quarters. Now a lot of two high is being played. And the two high is helping prevent a lot of those deep play action passes that we talked about in the past. So that's another trend across the league. I think this is a great point because last year there were a couple of teams that played too high against the Vikings and they usually succeeded. I mean, even it was weird, but Washington, that was a tire fire last year, but in the first half of their game against the Vikings before Case Keenum got hurt and then Haskins came in and didn't know what he was doing yet. uh, But they were playing too high and they were keeping everything in front of them. And my thought was that night, if other teams, teams that are better at football copy this and use this against the Vikings if they believe that they can stop the run with the front four and not commit so many people to it that they're going to to make life really difficult on the Vikings and this might be one of the reasons that they've struggled through these first couple of weeks 
Yeah, I mean, I think typically we see this cycle of adaptation on the offensive side of the ball and then response on the defensive side of the ball. So it, in terms of, yeah, like these play-action schemes that we talked about, I think we're seeing the response on the defensive side of the ball. Now it's going to be up to the offense to decide what the next adaptation is, is going to be. And, you know, I'm interested to see it. I don't know. Uh, people have talked about McVay making a little bit of a, of a jump this year. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know well enough to really be able to pinpoint if he's doing something that, that differently than he had done before. But I, I think that's really going to be the next level to see whether or not there can be the adaptation. Yeah, I noticed that the uh, depth of target for Jared Goff is essentially a handoff at this point. So Yeah, yeah, he's using the screen game. He's using the running backs a lot more. And I, I think that's also been a trend. I mean, you've seen uh, guys like Russell Wilson are using the running backs a lot more in the passing game. So I, th- I think that can also be a trend is for some of these teams that that have been too conservative with running the ball in the past is you, you want to switch more and more of that into running back passes. And that, again, it, it brings the defenders up when, when, they're, when they're playing back against play action. So I think it's kind of pulling, trying to pull them in two different directions. Yeah, and just applying that, the Vikings have not used Dalvin Cook uh, uh, in front of the line of scrimmage basically since he's played here. And that's right. something that's sort of confusing uh, to me. He's really successful with screens, but then the next year everyone's going to game plan for that. And, um, you know, at some point also, some of these running backs are going to argue. Remember how tight ends were trying to argue? I'm not a tight end, I'm a wide receiver. Some of these running backs are going to make the case, look, I shouldn't even be called a running back. Stop doing that just because you line me up back there. And I think that it's got to be frustrating for Dalvin Cook, who can catch the ball, that the Vikings don't use him more going down the field in any way, even if it's like a flat route that takes him two or three yards down the field. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can see that. I think when it comes to running back salaries, we are starting to see a little bit of a rebound. I think there was this talk about, you know, the devaluation of the position. Partially it was because it's being devalued. Partially it's because there were not many good running backs that were drafted into the NFL, um, let's say from about, you know, like, like 2015-ish. I know Gurley came in then, and he was a hit, and he got injured. But even before that, you had, you know, the first running back taken being someone like a Bishop Sankey uh, <laughs> of one yes. year, who, who I liked coming out, by yeah. the way. A, brief, <laughs> a very brief other. Viking, by the way. He got uh, – Yeah, so, he was yeah, so it, was, it was those types. So, uh, you know, Devon – Devontae Freeman was getting the largest the largest contract in, in the NFL. So so from the peak, which which you know well of that Adrian Peterson contract where he's making fourteen million of the a year, which would be the equivalent of twenty something million uh, nowadays, that there's there's been a trough and now these these players are fighting against the franchise tag in order to get more money. But as you get more and more and as you get enough players into the mix, and now we're seeing a whole bunch and we're gonna have more in the future with Barkley coming up and some and, and some of these larger contracts, that you're gonna see you're gonna see those contracts start to come back up. So I I think the, the running back position, hopefully it, it won't be as, as bad in the, in the pocketbook as it has been in the past for those guys. Well, I think uh, Delvin is, is very happy to have his deal done because uh, this year he might have some struggles running up the middle behind the Vikings interior line. Well, that, so. yeah, that franchise tag next year was going to be brutal too. So, um, so they, I think it's good. Yeah, it's good for him he got that done before having to deal with it. Kevin Cole, Unexpected Points podcast. Again, it's terrific. I know that they made fun of you on the forecast podcast. It's like, this is this is the best name for, I mean, if you're listening to your podcast, then you've got to know what that means. So <laughs> anyway, I, hope so. Well, I, uh, I very much appreciate your time and of course, love your work. PFF.com is where you can find it. And she's uh, off the top of my head. Is it are you one of those underscore people now? Are you like no, no? I've no, just been. I don't think so. I'm a, I'm a maverick. I'm a maverick. Uh, uh, it's at Kevin Cole PFF altogether. Oh, okay. All right. Well, 
Yeah, I don't like the underscores anyway. So thanks for your time very much. <laughs> Appreciate your work, and uh, we'll do it again soon, man. All right. Thank you. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible change to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championships, all. All day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.